On today's episode of The Dingo Show, brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network, we are joined again by Tyg O'Leary. Uh, we apologize for Dingo's hiatus. He had to do a, a prop dusting job in uh, southwest Nebraska. Uh, a lot of work to be done over there. But now he's back and better than ever with Hotter Than Hot Takes. Uh, we start off the program by talking about uh, the Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. Very interesting deal. We outline that and what we think the Patriots will be like with him at the helm. Now... We get into some Dingo Show questions. Make sure to reach out to the program at quick.takes on Instagram. Send us a voice memo and we'll get you on the show. Beyond that, we get into some freezing cold takes where I scour the internet and look for the most coldest of cold takes. We get into the Hoops Top Scoops Dingo edition of Guys You See at the Local Golf Course. It should be a good show, so buckle up. Here we go. Everybody, back to another episode of the Dingo Show. I'm your host, Dingo, and today I'm joined again by our good friend, Tyg O'Leary. Hello, Tyg. Hey, Dingo. How's it going? Glad to be here again. Good. And we also have uh, the co-host here, Cole, from BCT Sports and the Hoop Scoop, and also from Quick Takes. Cole, hello. Yes, how's it going? Good. All right, let's get right into it. We've been a while since our last show, so I'd like to First, start off by talking about probably the biggest news in the NFL, probably the biggest news in New England, uh, Cam Newton signing with the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Um, My take on this quickly is, look, whenever you're hiring someone for a job, whenever you're interviewing and looking at candidates, you want to go for the hungriest guy out there or girl, hungriest candidate, whoever sits across from you in the table and just is like, look, I've been out of work for some time here. I'm starving. I'll do whatever job you got, give it to me, and I'm going to bust every single day and not take a moment for granted because I really want to be here. You always want that candidate. That's the one you want, the one who wants to be there the most, work the hardest, and get the job done. And to me, that's what Cam Newton looks like for the Patriots. I know it's a very team-friendly contract, and uh, obviously he's worth the gamble at that price for any team, Mm -hmm. but I think the Patriots really lucked out in that they got a guy, a backup quarterback, who really could start for this team, probably will start for this team, who is hungry, ready to play, ready to prove himself, and hopefully maybe use this like an Adrian Peltre year where he tries to prove himself and get a big contract somewhere else or with us. Tyg and Cole, you want to weigh in on Cam Newton? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned this in the BCT Sports podcast I think Cam Newton was an excellent signing by Belichick. It really frees up the offense and really transitions into uh, an NFL future that a lot of teams have been exploring, uh, being the Ravens and the Seahawks, in that they uh, want a mobile QB, a guy that is a playmaker. Not to say that Brady didn't make um, plays in creating more time in the pocket just with his great footwork, but Cam Newton's a little bit different than that. You can add a few more different uh, plays in there, some option plays, some rollout plays. So, Cam Newton is a complete opposite of Tom Brady, not just in uh, demeanor, but also in play style. Cam Newton uh, always goes for the flashy moments. He um, thrives on athleticism and really loves to gun it down the field and take some chances. Not to say Tom Brady didn't take chances down the field, but just completely different player from what Belichick's usually used to uh, playing with. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think Cam Newton would be a good move for the Patriots. Uh, He's an exciting player. 
he's a mobile quarterback, uh, and that's something the Patriots haven't had in a while. Um, and I think, too, uh, like Dingo was saying, you want the hungriest person that's applying for the job. And if, you, if you've seen his Instagram page, Cam's uh, definitely hungry. I mean, he's working out to gospel music. Like, that, that's as hungry as it gets right there. Uh, I wonder, I wonder though, what number he'll be wearing. Uh, I know in college he wore number two at Auburn, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wore number one with the Panthers. But as we know, being the Patriot fans that we are, number one is taken by Pat the Patriot. So uh, maybe, I know number 12 is open. Maybe he'll go for one and two. So, <laughs> so oh, man. an interesting follow-up to that. He could uh, have a press conference with Pat Patriot in uh, – changing of the guards, you know, like getting rid of Pat Patriot's number one and giving it to Cam Newton, even though uh, Pat Patriot has long held down that number. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see that press conference there. Yeah, I, I think either way, it's like Cole just said, a changing of the guard, new offense that they can run, a new quarterback, a new life for the Patriots here. Definitely will be interesting. Uh, as always, the Dingo Show is fueled off questions by the audience. We've had a number of questions since we've been away that have been submitted to the quick.takes on Instagram page through DM and send us an audio message there and uh, get on the show. So with that, uh, Cole and Tig, I say we run in and, and roll our first question. But what when you believe in 51575? Yeah, yo, Dingo. So, uh, I don't know if you caught the uh, ESPN films they showed recently, but uh, it was about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And uh, I, I had some interesting thoughts on that, you know. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, if you did, let me know what you think on it. Uh, what, what was the name of it? Uh, Long Gone Summer, something like that. Anyway, uh, long-time listener, first-time call-up. Uh, let me know what you think, Dingo. Yes, I did watch Long Summer a couple Sundays ago. And I loved it. And really, to me, the thing that stood out the most was just the sheer size of Big Mac, of Mark McGuire there. Uh, just seeing him in the, in the uniform there, I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy looks like he could be playing defensive tackle, let alone first base or third base wherever he played for the Cardinals there. But, Man. Ty, did you happen to catch uh, that documentary? I did, yeah, I, I did see it. Growing up, my favorite baseball player – was Mark McGuire. My family went cross country when I was little and we actually got to catch Mark McGuire as one of his last games at the old Bush Stadium. I thought it was a, uh, a great documentary there, very entertaining. And I didn't think that they would be interviewing uh, Sosa and McGuire like they did. So that was, it was cool to see their take on it. Um, one thing though that, that kind of was grinding my gears about it is how um, the MLB continues to profit off of these guys like Sosa and McGuire. Uh, by promoting the um, promoting them through this documentary and then posting them on their Instagram page, but yet they won't let them into the Hall of Fame, and but they still make money off of them. It seems sort of uh, like hypocritical. If you're gonna be all the way in or all the way out, you know, don't be like tiptoeing around it. It's not like the MLB didn't know what was going on at the time. They needed numbers. They needed people to be in the stands. Like. Baseball was a struggling sport, especially after the lockout in 94. So they needed to figure a way out to bring uh, people in the seats. And it seems like McGuire and Sosa was just what they needed for that. So I don't know. I hope one day they change their stance on it and get him in the Hall of Fame. But uh, See, I don't know. What, what do you say, Cole? 
the, the MLB is more than happy to make money off both those guys. The reason why they're not in the uh, MLB Hall of Fame in Cooperstown there is because it's, it's a vote-in process through um, the Writers Guild, right, over for the MLB, and they don't like steroids, right? The MLB is not sticking their neck out in any sorts of operations here. They're just here to make money and look good. So if it looks cool to put in a documentary that has Sammy Sosa in there for about 20 seconds and Mark McGuire in there for the whole time, then they'll do that. Well, look, Cole, but they did definitely get into steroids there at the tail end. And it seems like those guys, you know, even though they had obviously a checkered past with it now, it seems like they've almost come to grips and were like, yeah, of course we took steroids. That's kind of like what everyone was doing at the time. But um, I agree with Tyg in that they got the MLB's got to kind of, uh, on this issue as a whole, needs to sort of pick the side of the street that they're on. Like, do they, you know, are they just going to be like, yeah, this was a time in our history and, uh, you know, these guys were on the juice and uh, that's just the way it is. We'll, we'll judge them as that. Or are they going to be like, um, no, you know, we, don't, we just want to completely erase this time in history and, and move on. I, I will say this, though, as a young kid sammy sosa and mark mcguire were like the first like real athletes that i knew that were not like on a local team you know what i mean like those guys i remember at the time were were, were just massive and i i just remember lo- like loving them as a kid watching those guys hit home run but what when you believe in 5 15 75 a dingo any takes on the red sox this season specifically brian johnson he looks pretty good out there. Hmm? I guess what that caller is getting into is the fact that the Red Sox have been doing these inter-squad scrimmages where they break up the offense and kind of have the pitchers try their best to go up against anybody. Tex in the blue. Yeah, and Tex wearing the blue. <laughs> it's a, you know, I, one quick word about that is hasn't he done enough for this franchise not to be standing behind the plate in 95-degree weather and 100% humidity? Like the poor guy, like he, he's, he's – He's done enough. He's won multiple World Series. He's caught multiple no-hitters. He, he's still got to stick them behind the plate like that. I mean, getting That's in a good there and point. <laughs> he, Hey, he's got the quads to do it, though, if anyone's got him in hand. <laughs> he does. All right, look, so, guys, this is one thing that's interesting to me, speaking of Brian Johnson that that guy brought up, is this phenomenal article in the Boston Globe on Monday, July 13th, top fold of the sports section, titled, Johnson Puts in the Work. So let me just read you from this a little bit of uh, Peter Abraham, who we know has done his time and paid his dues following this team around for many years. Good old Pete Abes, yep. Yeah, he says, The Red Sox placed Brian Johnson on the waivers in late November for the purposes of taking him off their 40-man roster. The other 29 teams then passed on Johnson, and he was assigned to AAA Pawtucket. The move was an obvious one, considering Johnson's 6.02 earned run average last season. He put 76 runners on base over the course of 40 and one-third innings. <laughs> Johnson, however, never saw this coming. When interviewed, he said, 100%, it was a total surprise to me. Hmm. Now, almost eight months later, the pitcher the Red Sox didn't need in November is a leading candidate for the fourth spot in their rotation. Hmm. So anyway, that's sort of just a little anecdotal story that tells you sort of where the Red Sox rotation is now. And I'd like to turn it over to an expert on this matter, Tig, for his opinion. I think it's surprising that he didn't see this coming. But I mean, 
Given given the uh, the track record that he has with that six point whatever ERA and the seventy some odd uh, runners on base in forty innings, um, I take it that he doesn't see a lot of things, and I think the strike zone is definitely one of them. So, <laughs> All right, that, that might have been a little that might have been a little too much. I apologize, Brian Johnson. Uh, maybe but, yeah. hey, Doug, maybe this is why Tech was able to be behind the plate mm-hmm. because Johnson's fastball. And the inter-squad scrimmages topped out between 88 and 90 miles an hour. So Tech was probably able to see it very clearly, yeah. like mm-hmm. the hitters. <laughs> and that ball also had so much movement on there, too, that he only lasted three innings. But what when you believe in 5-15-75? Hello, Dingo. Any takes on the NHL return? Oh, yes. The NHL, if you had asked me like a few months ago, I would have said, of all the leagues, they're probably the least likely to come back. But now it looks like they're one of the most likely to come back with these new proposed uh, bubble cities, I guess, up in Canada, mm-hmm. in Toronto and, and Montreal, I believe. Edmonton. Edmonton. Got it. Uh, Ty, any thoughts on Edmonton in the summer? Um, I haven't been there, but uh, I heard it's nice. No, I, I think it's it's good idea for them to have the two hub cities in the same country. Um, I imagine if they had, say, for example, like I know Vegas was in the running for a while. Um, so if they had like Toronto and Vegas, I don't think that would make much sense because then they would have to have like the two week quarantine. So that would just extend the the playoffs. And I don't think uh, the fans, let alone the owners, want anything to do with that right now. But um, yeah, it seems like the NHL has got their stuff together with the post COVID um, plans for how to play. Um, It'll be interesting to see, though, if if it uh, follows through. I hope it does. What do you think about, like, the uh, – I feel like the Bruins have to be one of the leading candidates here, obviously. I mean, they're the best record coming out of the regular season. But what do you think about their chances during this uh, tournament kind of style? I think they got they got good, uh, good chances. Um, they had a few players that were injured. I know, like, Brandon Carlo was injured um, before – like the season went on pause. So it'll be good for those guys to get rested. And um, yeah, I, I think it'll, and I think it'll be good for them too, because they were a, an older team. So hopefully they were able to take advantage of the rest. Um, that being said, there is, I think, 24 teams in the playoffs. So it really could be anybody's year this year. Um, mm-hmm. Whoever has the hottest goalie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head here. When I'm looking at cities like Toronto and Edmonton, they do really open themselves up to having large amounts of people there and also uh, implement uh, good social distancing code. But um, teams that jump off to me right off the, the sheet of paper here that I'm looking at, uh, I think the Blackhawks, I mean, they were hot before uh, the season shut down. I think they sneakily got into the playoff scenario here. And if anything, they got enough talent that they could make a sneaky run here. So uh, I, I think that's a team to watch uh, even beyond the Bruins. Uh, I mean, the, the East, right, is just completely stacked. And when you got the Lightning in there as well, it's, it's going to be tough, tough sledding for sure. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. Um, the East this year was definitely uh, the conference to beat between, like, you got Pittsburgh, Washington, Tampa. I mean, there's so many teams. And like you said, too, Chicago out of the West – uh, they're a scary team to face in the playoffs. I mean, just like game six, 17 seconds. I'll never get over that. 
but grow when you believe in 51575. Alas, Dingo. Do you think any of these leagues will actually finish their season? I'll take my question off here. So actually leading into the last thing there, I think that the NHL might have the best chance to finish their season. Uh, mainly because I think that those guys are probably the most disciplined and that plan sounds to be like maybe one of the strongest. I, I think the NBA will probably not finish their season. I think that those <laughs> guys, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that bubble in, in Disney could be tough to try and keep people in and or keep people in. And I think that, um, I, I don't think that the MLB really has a chance to finish only because, you know, they'll be, they're still traveling to different cities and uh, I don't know. I think that it's good that all these leagues are trying their best to get back into it. I think that that shows that they care about the product. But at the end of the day, I don't know how much it's worth it for all these leagues to actually try and finish. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I know that they, the only reason why they're starting is so that they can finish and crown champions. But uh, I don't know if they can. Tiger, Cole, your thoughts? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think the NHL has the, the best chance to come back. Um, the NBA, on the other hand, I don't know. Like, I saw a video the other night of uh, some of the dinners they were having. Mm-hmm. Some, I think it was Jason Tatum ordered a lobster, and the lobster was still moving when the guy brought it up to his plate. So if that's the kind of meals they're getting, I don't know if uh, they'll be lasting too long in that bubble there. It might burst. That's true. I mean, who orders a lobster at Disney? I don't know. All right, our next segment here is going to be some more freezing cold takes that I found on the internet. We're going to be starting it off here with most recently, Colin Cowherd said this. The quarterback has to be able to throw the ball with accuracy. Now you see why they don't want Cam. He mentioned judgment twice, accuracy three times. Cam's not his guy. But when people say, oh, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't New England go? There's nothing about Cam that interests him. Okay, so that was a quick little cutaway of Colin Cowherd coming out and saying that the Patriots had never signed Cam Newton because it doesn't fit their system. Um, Colin Cowherd, that goes on his long list of takes. They're still freezing cold. One thing, one, my one response, never say never with New England. Okay, thanks, Dingo. <laughs> you said it there twice, though. Yeah. All right, moving into the next one here. It's Jamal Adams. This is in um, November 13th, 2018. He posted a picture of him walking through the Jets' MetLife Stadium here, and he says, through thick and thin, I'm here to stay. Hashtag present. <laughs> look, that has really backfired the last month or so. Look, look, one, one take on that. Did he say where he'd be staying through mm, thick and thin? That's true. It, it, I mean, it's indicated when he's wearing the Jets uniform coming out in uh, the Jets Met Life. Well, it's not their stadium, technically. But, yeah. <laughs> I read that totally differently than you do. Mm. I say through thick and thin, he's committed to football. It's true. Say, you know, uh, and look, he also, in fairness, didn't know how thin things get uh, for uh, the Jets. So um, the fact that he's demanding a trade to the Cowboys, I say does not speak negatively on that tweet. Or his character as a whole. Joe Quinn from ESPN, four minutes before the massacre happened in the kick six. That was on uh, November 30th, 2013 for the Iron Bowl, uh, Auburn versus Alabama. He writes, if you're Saban, why not try a 57-yard field goal? You got nothing to lose. 
Yeah, the only thing you have to lose is the Iron Bowl. Yeah. And so. uh, yeah, but let me tell you something that real quick. That was one of the greatest college football games I'd ever seen, mm-hmm. and also spawned one of the greatest lines in broadcasting history, namely, "Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game," <laughs> which I loved. And uh, truth be told, uh, I don't think you can rely on kickers below the professional level in, in any sport and, and uh, in any level below the professional level. High school, college, if you're trying to win the game off a kick, even if you're Nick Saban and you're paying this guy 800 k a year, it's still not worth it. Give the ball to one of those six-foot-seven tailbacks and try and get the first down. All right, uh, Kelly Bidlin. That's a strange last name, but yes, that is his last name. I'm sorry, but I've seen Kawhi Leonard play 10 times. And if I was an NBA GM, I would take Chris Singleton over him. He maybe should have watched Kawhi Leonard the 11th time. Yes. Yep. (laughs) But I would say uh, Chris Singleton did not pan out. And believe it or not, he did not become a two-time NBA champion and a uh, load management warrior. I think that um, obviously this is a cold take. Kawhi Leonard, Defensive Player of the Year, all-around finals MVP stud, one of the greatest players of this generation. However, Cole, one thing I might say in defense of the guy you just mentioned in this tweet Mm -hmm. is that Chris Singleton probably wouldn't ask for games off Mm. at this point in his career. He'd Mm -hmm. probably be demanding to play in every opportunity he got. So, again, if we're going back to the theme here, you go with the hungriest guy, I guess you'd go with Chris Singleton. And the board man got paid too, so yeah, it's a pretty, pretty I mean, cool thing. If we're looking at it from a, a fiscal standpoint, I think he does make a he does make a he does make a good point. You could get uh, Chris Singleton for a lot less money here. Irving Magic Johnson writes, uh, "MJ is building a potential powerhouse in Charlotte, proving the naysayers wrong, and that's what he's that's what he's known to do, and that's what he's going to do." In all fairness, Magic Johnson quit his job so he could tweet things like this. Mm-hmm. But um, he did hedge this pretty well by using the word potential, a potentially big powerhouse. That Saved I think, that, yeah, it does save this because we all know after that that he went on to draft Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Cody Zeller, Frank Kaminsky, all these guys. I'm just saying off the top of my head, I'm sure I'm missing some other guys. Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb. Um, Omeka Okafor. But MJ, as we, yep. we, we saw the uh, documentary, he proved to us one thing. Big thing about him, very competitive. Mm-hmm. If you're him, you don't want to draft anybody who might be good because they might have a chance to try and oh, dethrone you. So mm-hmm. it's always best to surround yourself with mediocre talent. And uh, yep. that, that's, I think, probably what he's getting at. So uh, good tweet by Magic Johnson. Also, to be fair, uh, it's come out and said that Magic Johnson does not actually write his own tweets. He just um, expresses some ideas that he wants his people to put on his Twitter. So this could have been misconstrued in a way that maybe he wanted to say, um, Michael Jordan is building a dumpster fire in Charlotte. He's proving the naysayers right, and this is what he does, and that's how he knows what to do. It's all in the reader's eyes, Cole. You're exactly right. That was a very subjective tweet. Could be read either way. Well (laughs) said. I thought the tweet was going to be, the Lakers are back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving into the next segment here, we're going to be doing the Hoops Top Scoops Dingo Show edition of Guys You See at Your Local Golf Course, also known as Golf Course Homers. Uh, Dingo, do you want to start us off? 
Yes, uh, good transition again by Cole. This is brought to you by the Quick Takes Network, part of our contractual obligations. Guys that we see on the golf course, one of uh, first round pick I'd have to go with would be um, the guy who's never been out golfing, but loves to drive the cart. Mm. Right. Always fun to be with the guy in the cart. Uh, maybe if you're lucky, he can find a way to take the limiter off if it's a gas cart. But a uh, cart driving maniac, I would say, is a staple for all golf courses. Tug? I, my number one pick here is uh, the guy who just goes out to get hammered. Mm. Uh, and then you go and rent some clubs at the local, uh, blanking on what they call golf. Pitch and putt? Yeah. You go and uh, try and rent some clubs oh, at your gosh. local pitch and pup, and you open you open the bag, and it's just full of Miller Lights. It's like, who drinks Miller Lights? It's better than Michelob Ultra, though, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's my first pick. Nineteenth hole guy. Yes. <laughs> All right, my, my first pick is. Uh, can you play through? I, I just play through guy. <laughs> He's. Um, so there's someone hounding him behind him, and uh, he's just gonna say play through. Could just be him by himself, but he will find a way to slow everything down on his own accord. But if you get behind him, he'll say, oh, didn't see you there, even though you've been behind for four straight holes, and he'll tell you to play through. Good pick. Second round pick. I'm taking um, the uh, is that your ball or is that my ball guy? I'm stealing this from Tig. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, this guy you only meet at shooting gallery golf courses that have no trees or any cover in between them. So he could be playing on the 17th hole, or he could be playing on the 8th hole. You don't know. All you know is that your ball landed next to his, and you, you don't know which one's whose. I'm going to have to change my second overall pick here, uh, unfortunately, but let's see if I can go off the cuff here. Um, the guy who doesn't know that he's not supposed to talk in your backswing. Mm. You line it up for the shot right about to swing, and he's, he's like, he goes and answers the call in the office. It's like, man, you're at the course, not at the office. Let it go. That's what you got voicemail for. So, yeah, that's my second pick. All right, my second pick is going to be the uh, golf accessory guy. He's coming into the uh, course, and he's got the range finder. He's got uh, a drone or something to see what, it, what, what it's like, even though he plays this course two times a week. He's got every single gadget in the book, in, in, well, in his bag, actually. And um, this is for the sole fact that no one knows what to get him for Father's Day, uh, Christmas, or his birthday, because he does nothing but go to work and sometimes play golf. So that's gotten him a, a one-way ticket to just getting everything golf that he would ever want for, um, from his, his loved ones. Nice. My third pick here is the insanely massive cigar guy mm. who plays with the cigar in his mouth the entire time and literally – Never smokes a cigar in any other scenario, except when he's on the golf course here. And uh, eventually it starts to get to his head a little bit, and uh, he needs to stop at the ninth, ninth hole there for either one of Tig's Miller Lights or a ton of water. But uh, always the massive cigar, guys. Somehow it lasts 18 holes. It's literally a three-hour cigar. Churchill guy. So uh, my, my third pick here is the guy who's constantly changing his uh, glove. He's like Nomar Garcia Power out there. Steps out right off the tee, and he's just like, you just can't get it tight enough. And then he gets it tight enough. He finds the right right uh, tightness he wants, I guess. And then 
boom, right into the trees. He has to get an, has to get another ball. All right, my pick is going to be. Um, have you ever seen the movie Happy Gilmore Guy? Uh, he's out with his friends and decides that. I don't know if you've seen the movie or not, but I think this is how he did it right off the pin. So he's going to be doing his best impersonation of the Happy Gilmore shot. He has tossed the respect for the game outside the window, and he's already um, 22 over on the fifth hole. So he decided that, you know what, I'm just going to be going for a show. And yes, I may have come into the match taking this completely serious, but now everyone's making judgments against me because I'm such a bad golfer that I'm just going to go uh, complete 180 here and th- say that I was just goofing around the whole time. We're just playing for fun, right, guys? Do you mind if I try the happy Gilmore shot? And everyone rolls their eyes because he did the same exact shenanigan uh, last year at um, the country club. <laughs> at the company ghetto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they, they, they try to make the plea that, you know, like you're, you're in the public eye here. Like people are looking at us. There's, there's a team of three behind us. I want to get going. This lunatic is pulling the, uh, the happy Gilmore shot out. Hey, can I play throw? <laughs> so my first honorable mention here is a uh, guy who's seen that one video on YouTube um, of the guy yelling mashed potatoes after Tiger Woods uh, made his drive at some event. So every time your friend's going up to drive, Right after he hits the ball, he goes, mash potatoes! All right, uh, my honorable mention is the uh, gambling guy. He um, says, why don't we just put a little, make this a little bit fun? Why don't we sweeten up the pot? And says, uh, everyone puts in 20 bucks, and maybe whoever wins can, uh, can get that money. So it's the gambling guy. Uh, little known fact, he doesn't gamble in any other scenario, but he just wants golf to make it that much more interesting that he decides that he needs to make it that much more competitive and gamble. All right, and so my honorable mention is the uh, do you mind if I keep the pencil after the match guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they always bug you to return those pencils, mm-hmm. and you've had a great day out golfing, but for whatever reason, your friend always demands to re- keep the pencil. And uh, usually a, a sort of, at least at the places we play, where the Rangers are intense, can lead to a little bit of a skirmish. Mm-hmm. And uh, can sometimes soil a day if you're not careful. That little pencil doesn't even have an eraser. It can be still worth fighting for for a lot of people. Sorry all that. Sorry all that. <laughs> all right. So with that, look, this is a, another entry of the Dingo Show. Uh, hopefully we'll be back again soon. Hopefully sports will be coming back again as we sort of get back into things here. And uh, so, again, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks, Tig. Thanks, Cole. And we'll catch you later. Only 15 more days to the NBA. Thank you.